Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. Our first guest is Shauna Saffel, a manager at West Monroe Partners. Shauna is an organizational change management consultant within the Operations Excellence Practice, where she serves clients in multiple industries, including banking, finance, and healthcare. We talk with her today about some of the trends in change management going into 2017. So good morning, Shauna. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm recovering from sniffles. So uh, it's sniffles with Shauna this morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. First and foremost. Um, it's a new year, a lot of change. On this episode, we're talking about change in your life, change in your work, and change in the world. So let's start with one that's work and life. Uh, you were recently promoted. Congratulations. Thank you. To manager. Uh, let's let's start there. Um, that's a big change it in life is. and work. Tell us a little bit about that uh, change for you. Yeah, so this was a, a goal of mine from last year, actually, as uh, I wrote a blog on this last year about, you know, using change principles to make sure that your New Year's resolutions come to tuition, and uh, that ended up happening in this circumstance. So I've been gifted with this great opportunity to use kind of the skill sets that I've developed over the last few years, as well as some of my strengths, uh, to become a new leader here at West Monroe Partners. And with that has definitely become some changes in the aspect that my role is no longer just the straight hands to keyboard, get it done, where my value has been my entire career. Uh, so I'm adapting to this new world of making sure I'm helping other folks become those great doers um, while still using my you know, QA consultant cap, but really focusing more on relationships and coaching. And it's just, it's been an interesting transition to realize my value is still there. It's just different. Right. That's, you make a very good point, and you, you, you mentioned the word adapt or adaptation. Um, a lot of the work I imagine that you do in, in managing and advising others on how to manage change um, is essentially helping them adapt. So if you were to take a step back and look at sort of your past year and going into that New Year's resolution, and um, you know, if you could address your old self going up for that, for that challenge, for that change um, that you accomplished in that, in that uh, promotion, how would you have helped your, your sort of old self adapt to, uh, to the, new, yeah. the new role so far? I think part of it is uh, getting rid of any of the kind of fear or expectations that you set for yourself of what something is going to look like. Um, because when you, you become that rigid and this is what's going to happen and this is how it's going to happen, you end up missing opportunities for growth uh, and challenges end up becoming more of a struggle and less of the, that opportunity that I just mentioned. So I would go back to myself and kind of say, hey, you know, focus on the journey and not the outcome. Mm -hmm. uh, I got there eventually uh, due to some great support from mentors and other folks here, but it would have been, I think, a more enjoyable experience to just take it the day at the time, do the best that I could with what I had and wait for the outcomes to come from that versus just focusing on that, that crossing that finish line. Sure. You mentioned fears and, and rigidity and journey. I thought that was kind of a great example. Uh, we're obviously here in the Pacific Northwest uh, on an incredibly beautiful day looking at, looking at the Olympic uh, mountain range. Um, talk to me a little bit about that sort of journey and, and the work you do as a change management uh, consultant working with clients. How do you help um, clients, customers, 
stay focused on that journey when, as you mentioned, uh, fears and rigidity and anxiety often dictates our reaction to change. Yeah. Uh, so when I, I look at, I mean, my hat, I, I wear a project management hat a lot. And so when you, you engage with these clients, a lot of the work you're doing is we need to get from point A to point B. How do we get there? Um, my focus, though, has always been the part of that kind of journey. It doesn't need to be this painful process. Specifically, if the types of projects are causing a big amount of change for a user, a person, whether their technology is going away, their role is going to change, their processes are changing maybe for improvements, but it's, it's still hard to see that when you're in this kind of unknown state. Mm -hmm. uh, so fear and rigidity, like you really need to focus on building trust with the, the team and the, the folks that you are working with to help them realize that they have as much as a say into what this is gonna look like as they would like. And when you find the space for them to have that voice, um, the fear ends up going away because they realize that they are valuable to, mm -hmm. to putting together this bigger picture. Um, so even though it may be different in the future, uh, they get a say in what that looks like for them. And having that ownership ends up empowering mm -hmm. folks instead of making them feel like there is being changed forced upon them. Absolutely. So I want to pick up on building trust a little bit um, because I do feel that's a key ingredient to helping anyone manage change. And, and part of that, I think, is meeting them where they're at. Uh, I recently shared an article with you around um, the change that's happening in the banking industry. Um, and I pulled this article down from USA Today um, and I thought it was really appropriate because it was called Decaf with Your Deposit. Here we are <laughs> in our Coffee and Change podcast. I've got coffee, you've got tea. Yep. Um, but I think it's really interesting about how the whole banking experience with digital and with sort of the consumer approach is changing. You've worked in the banking industry before. You're supporting some banking customers now. Having read this article and some of the things that it highlighted how the experience of the bank is changing, um, how people visit the brick and mortar differently, you now might get served a cup of coffee and a chocolate bar as opposed to just talking about a deposit or a transaction. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on that and your experience as a consumer yeah. and as a consultant working in this space. Well, I think one of the biggest changes that happened in this industry is the, the advances in mobile technology when it comes mm -hmm. to banking. We don't really need our banks the way we used to uh, because everything can be done on our phone. We can take pictures of checks, transfer money. Uh, that experience, specifically speaking from that kind of millennial group, is our ideal experience. Okay. So that, with that in mind, banks needed to kind of think a little differently on how they can keep growing their business considering that people are just going through transactions on their mobile okay. so how do you get people in how do you draw them in and when you think about culture uh, and the big part of what I, I'm watching even uh, not just banks but other industries that we're working with is how do you create a culture that people feel like they are they belong they're included and, and when you are part of a community if you when you feel like you are included that's when trust is built so reading this article it was interesting to dive into how people are creating these more intimate relationships with mm -hmm. their bankers um, because it's not about sales it's not about a transaction they don't need that they don't need people for that anymore so the focus is more on the relationship that they get to build in an environment that feels safe and welcoming and warm a space that is enjoyable um, it just totally changes the relationship and, and folks end up seeking out that relationship because so much of our life has become technology-based. 
Yeah, I feel um, having read this article myself, and it mentions a Pacific Northwest bank um, that I actually use as is, is my sort of local bank. Uh, and I smiled when I read it because um, in one aspect, I really love that sort of warmth when I walk into yeah. the bank. Um, it feels like a neighborhood bank. I joked a little bit saying it was a little bit like Mayberry, um, a small town feel. And it's interesting because you had mentioned sort of millennial expectations. I, I probably fall in that generation X, generation yeah. Y cusp. And I was talking to a colleague earlier this morning, and it's not necessarily my expectation that I sit down and work on a puzzle in the lobby <laughs> at my bank no. with a bank teller. Um, but I also thought it was interesting how in the article it talked about staffers are starting to be called coaches and yeah. ambassadors. Yeah. Why do you think that is? So there's a lot of emotions attached with money. Mm -hmm. um, and when you hear banker or teller, it's almost that you kind of go government, you kind of go control, You it, it feels like almost you're gonna get yourself in trouble, right? Okay. If you were to do something compliance. wrong. Yes, compliance, okay. yeah. uh, constraints. And when you kind of change the language of what that person is, you realize that they are there to help you invest in yourself and your financials. And so that simple switch of a language um, goes from thinking that this person is holding you accountable to mm -hmm. this person is, um, in, in like investing in you, inspiring in you, and it has trust in you, and so you want to you want to give that back to them. Uh, so it becomes a far less constrained financial conversation, and more of a let me tell you about who I am and why I need this, and therefore you op open up other opportunities to discuss potential savings or sales or deposits in, in a different way for that person to look at their money mm -hmm. because they're having a conversation with you, not being told what to do. I thought it was interesting how in this example with Capital One and they talk about opening these cafes and I'm excited they're going to open two cafes in Washington yes. State in 2017. And you talked about sort of that emotional experience that comes along with your money. Yes. You know, you've, we've worked very hard to earn the money we have. We invest um, with with emotion and decision. And we don't want to be judged on spending. Exactly. We don't want to be judged on spending. I think a little bit about the finance industry. So if you take it from sort of the small bank and you take it even bigger in investment, personal finance, that's shifting as well where you're not getting that, that conversation like, here's how much it's going to cost you for me to move your money in this way. It's more along the lines of, so you want to buy a house. Let's have a conversation yeah. about that. More so you're getting married. Yeah, you're yeah. getting married. You're adopting a child. Let's have a conversation about that. Uh, I've been very fortunate in, in, in that experience with um, Vanguard and Fidelity, and they're just changing their language. Another area where I think it, I'm starting to see it, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this, is healthcare. So it's really been interesting how the financial industry and the banking industry with digital has started to shift to coaches, ambassadors around that partnership. There's going to be a lot of change in healthcare. Oh, there yeah. is a lot of change yep. in healthcare. Um, anyone who picks up a, an article or a headline will will see a tremendous amount of change coming. Where do you think healthcare uh, is going with regard to the same the same um, trajectory with regard to digital and customer experience and managing that change? So as someone who actually just recently got to kind of see how it's changing uh, with some uh, physical therapy appointments I was doing, I didn't have to go in for an appointment because I was having an email conversation with my doctor. Like, it, 
you want to talk about creating those relationships and trust to being to be able to communicate with someone directly someone who's being considerate of your time and your money uh, that creates trust right there uh, so watching how the these doctors and nurses are learning to leverage technology to actually humanize their client more because they can track more detailed information it, it's not a, just a transaction of let's get them in check their stats and get them out there's an ability to record who these people are, how do they, they function. And I, I know when I see my doctor that even though maybe he forgot me the past two weeks, I know that he took enough diligent notes and details in his system that he's able to quickly refresh on who I am. And he treats me like an individual. Mm -hmm. um, I've been in places where, yeah, you are, you are treated like a patient and not a person. Mm -hmm. And I think given how competitive the healthcare industry is needing to be, they need to find a way to make sure people feel special. Uh, it's a it's a type of customer service that they need to leverage the technology they are being given in order to do that. Which of course comes to change for these doctors and nurses where they're being asked to learn entirely new systems in order to create this experience. And I know that is a struggle and a change on that on that front. So let's talk a little bit about that technology. I wrote down as you were talking technology plus treatment. Yes. Um, and I love the way that you said it's not just a patient; it's a person. Um, what is some of the technology? We see a lot of technology in our world, and, and we're very fortunate in our jobs to get access to that. What is the technology in that example that you think, in, in, in your instance, made it easier for that doctor to see you as a person, the whole person? Is it simply a CRM? Is it a case management system? Is it a mix of both? What are you seeing sort of out there um, with your you're sort of serving clients, but also, you know, doing research and thought leadership around the space. I think it is a little bit of a combination of both, and I think it depends on the industry that you're looking at, right? I, I don't think a, a doctor is necessarily tracking us from a sales perspective, but still that CRM, that ability to kind of... Uh, almost characterize kind of the types of people and who you're seeing and why and also seeing um, consistencies across the board there whether it's age um, I love my doctors pointed out the reason I'm having some neck issues is because my whole generation looks at the phone wrong like right. and he kind of made a joke of like I'm gonna be in business for the next 20 years because I can see folks doing that like to be able to use that data not only to deliver to a person but to start uh, putting together almost studies and research to, to look at the bigger picture as a whole. Like it becomes, as that individual, it becomes part of that bigger uh, group of data to help solve some of the issues that we have across you know humanity from a healthcare perspective. So I, I haven't dove into that world for a while of what technologies they're using now, but I know Salesforce has actually become something that isn't quite intriguing for healthcare folks because they're just trying to figure out how to keep that individualized look for right. somebody, but uh, still add enough details that you're, you're tracking the important logistics of a client. That's, that's a great point. And I think as you're describing the whole person, um, a lot of times we use the word persona. Yes. Um, we're seeing, I think, in all industries, um, a re-energized focus on the customer. Yes. Uh, pick up any Harvard Business Review, any... Um, you know, Puget Sound Business Journal, and you'll see an article around customer centricity and what that means. Um, I think we, we live in a town here in Seattle that is booming, and, um, and that's because of sort of the focus on the customer in many ways. When you think about customer experience and customer centricity and a couple of these things that are really taking, you know, top of mind thought, as a change management uh, expert, 
what are your thoughts on the the sort of marriage and partnership uh, between CX, customer experience, and change management? And yeah. where do you think that um, partnership uh, could go in the future? So. There are some companies that were lucky enough to start with the customer-centric focus in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, people that were being hired, trained, their, their mind has always been focused on what do I need to do to help this customer. Um, I love that you're saying customer-centric because it's not just about customer service anymore. Customer right. service is a transaction. Customer-centric is it's a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, so even looking around, I mean, in Seattle is known for some of the, the best customer service. You've got Alaskan Airlines, you've got... Amazon, Nordstrom's, these these great industries that have just always been about making sure that the customer is feeling that they are getting what they need. So the big change is you are asking your your employees to just totally change their philosophy on how they do their day to day. And that type of training is unique because it's not just showing somebody how to use a system; it's telling them how to engage uh, right. with a person. Uh, so it's it's a unique. I think that's where we're seeing some clients struggle and trying to figure out how to invest in helping their people understand why this is important and then how to actually execute on that. So we may be giving them the technology, setting it up perfectly to help them uh, support this customer as much as possible. But if we're not changing their attitude and their focus and their methodology, uh, that customer-centric centricity just goes away. I think think that's a a great point. And I think um, a lot of times what we see or what I see is uh, it's easier to focus on something like the technology yes. or the system. Um, and sometimes I joke and I say things like, well, it's easier to focus on the system or the tool because it doesn't talk back. Correct. Um, now, with artificial intelligence, that might change <laughs> very quickly. Uh, we're both fans of Westworld. Um, but talk to me a little bit about that. Why is it, do you think, that people uh, snap to react to the systems, the processes, maybe the policies, when I would argue that it's probably more the people side of it. As you mentioned, yeah. you know, a paradigm shift, a philosophy change of focusing on the customer, bringing it back to the conversation. Um, why is it that we see people snap to the technology, the systems, the processes, and the policies as opposed to starting with the people? Yeah. Well, one, I think we forget sometimes when we are installing technology that technology exists to enhance. Uh, we become quite reliant on it for our day-to-day that we almost see it as the the reason, as you mentioned. But it, it is more, it's supposed to be that add-on to make your life easier so that you can do what you need to do. Uh, I think it's easier to focus on just the technology because it's quantitative. Right. Uh, you can put metrics to it. You can put numbers to it. You can put a dollar amount to it. Uh, where we see sometimes with our clients, they, they see the need for change management because they know the people are the most important thing, but because it's more, it's a little more fluffy in the sense yeah. that we can't put hard numbers on it, um, there, there's a lack of investment there because it's, it, they, they care, but if they only have so much of a budget, they want to make sure the technology is up and running effectively. And there's that kind of blind hope that it will lead the people. Right. Uh, but the fact is this technology was de- developed to help us do better not to run the show. Uh, the people are still the most important aspect of things. You can drop a few million dollars on the perfect technology, but if you have not helped the people show how it's going to make their lives easier, make their jobs better, help their customers more, the value's gone. Right. And that that um, that kind of brings me to, I guess, uh, my my last few questions around 
sort of design thinking. Um, Design thinking has taken off. We're, we're now solving problems differently because we're yep. starting sort of with the end in mind and backing into it. We've talked a little bit about you know trust and, and customer experience and change. Um, when you think about uh, design thinking um, and solving the problem for the right reason, yeah. what is a way that change managers, those that are doing change management, um, can help and assist in that? Uh, one word I, I always come back to is empathy. Yes. So I try and put myself in the shoes of the person who I'm helping change. Um, what's a way that we as change managers can really jump into that and assist with that, start with the end in mind and, and focus on the journey to go back to our opening comments? So I al I've always relied so heavily on my change champions when I'm going through any types of these projects. It's, it's identifying a group of people that are a representation of the users that are being impacted. And I love a collaboration of people that are the cheerleaders, yeah. of people that are the, I don't believe this, you can't sell me on this, the folks that have been there forever, the new folks that came from somewhere else. You get a very diverse group mix. And you allow them the opportunity to share the thoughts of the people. I, I think if you're if you're pushing change on folks and you're not giving them the opportunity to react, whether it's negative or positive, purge those kind of emotional reactions they're having to technology and whatnot. And then that's where you find the space where people start getting creative and enthusiastic about what's coming. And with, with that comes ideas of how you guys can approach this better or differently, which then of course just streamlines into communication. Right. So really leveraging the folks that know the business versus coming in and telling them how things are gonna work. That's great if we understand the technology inside and mm -hmm. out. We don't understand how these folks work. Right. So spending that time to really get to know where their pain is, and helping them realize how this change is going to alleviate that, but just giving the space for the emotions, the reactions, the frustrations, the fatigue that right. comes with this kind of this kind of work. That's very refreshing to hear. And and just before we close, um, twenty seventeen is going to be if we if we take it even larger globally. 2017 is going to be a big year of change. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about change in your life, change in your work. Let's shift on the last part to just sort of change in the world. Um, what are you excited about in 2017? And what are you a little apprehensive about with change in 2017? Oh, that's a big one. Uh, <laughs> I think what I'm excited about is last year was the year where customers really, I think for the first time, were saying, yep, we get it, we need it. Um, I think now is the opportunity to not just see change management as a going through the motions, um, but really an investment in it, the way that they, folks are going customer centric. Mm -hmm. I think people are gonna start actually going change management centric, and okay. it's going to become a regular part of any type of project. Uh, and I think people are gonna start relying on different industry experts because you can't do change effectively if you're staying within house because you you go groupthink. Mm -hmm. You've become too attuned to what's going on. And so we need to share kind of across industries, across expertise of what we've learned to make sure we're not making the same mistakes again. So I, I see more of a, I'm excited for more shared collaboration on mm -hmm. change management. The, the thing I, I'm still looking at and going, you know, I, I, how are we gonna tackle this mountain is just how do you put the, the metrics and the value to it? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm hoping some of the work that was done in the past year, we're starting to see the impacts of that, but really getting people on board as kind of those champions of projects that have successfully gone to speak to why this is valuable and why this is important. If you want to focus on the end result, what you need to do to invest in your people. Absolutely, because that would be the lasting story that others will listen to. Correct. And as we've seen this year, and I think very much going into 2017, the power of storytelling, yep. but also story doing. So 
show me where it made an impact. Yeah. So great. Well, thank you for your time You're today. Uh, we look forward to having you back Perfect. in the future. Thank you for being the inaugural uh, interview for our podcast yeah. and happy new year. Happy 2017.